For the last four weeks, we've been on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As most of you know, we started out the first of the year on the series with the letters of the Apostle Paul. And we are doing them chronologically. And uh, we are now in 1 Corinthians. And of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 deals with the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And as I said, this makes our fourth week studying this. Today's going to be a little bit different in the fact that we're talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit as I, or as I have listed on your outline, receive the Holy Spirit baptism. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. We want to make sure everyone has one. If you do not have an outline, they'll make sure that you get one. We have some hands raised. Okay, Brother Steve, we have some hands raised for some outlines. Okay. When we say Pentecost, we could talk about be we could be talking about Pentecostals or Charismatics. Uh, Pentecost slash Charismatics or Pentecostalism is growing at thirteen million a year. If you wanted to figure that up, that would be 35,000 a day. It's an amazing statistic to me. The largest church in the world is a Pentecostal church. The attendance is 241,000 people. I've been to that church in Seoul, Korea. It's an amazing place. The largest church in America, Pentecostal or charismatic, it runs 45,000 people. Outside the West, the Pentecostal and charismatic movement dominates the evangelical church. Outside the West. I say that because the United States and Europe, we have seen somewhat, uh, we've not seen the growth of, of churches really and Pentecostalism as there is in other countries. Uh, there is such a move going on in South America now. Some of the larger churches there run 150, 170,000 in one church. So it is amazing to see what is happening in the uh, field and ministry of Pentecostalism. Uh, we here at this church identify with Pentecostals. Let me say that again. We here at this church identify as one of the numbers of Pentecostal charismatics. Uh, do I have some concerns uh, about some of the charismatic leaders, especially those on television? Yes, I do. Uh, am I concerned about some beliefs and some of the practices of Pentecostalism? Yes. 
I, I, I have some concerns. Uh, there are some that identify themselves as Pentecostal that as we watch them in their somewhat manifestation, it is unbiblical. But just because someone takes an automobile and breaks the law with it, they speed, run red lights or stop lights or misuse or abuse an automobile, that don't mean that I'm not going to drive an automobile. And just because there is some that because, one reason, because of a lack of understanding, just because there are some that takes advantage of this, uh, great manifestation, abuse it, and some of it is unbiblical, that does not mean that we are not going to practice it. Now, notice the introduction. Jesus promised a vibrant pathway of life for every believer, a way of fullness, which means the overflowing of the Spirit, a way of fruitfulness, which means service to others, and a way of fulfillment, which means joy through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice, and this is very important, and we've dealt with this over the last two weeks. Notice he speaks of a well of indwelling grace and joy when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Now, I know there's been, there have been people that have abused uh, the, the manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord. And I know that there are some that don't believe that this experience is for us today. And some of you may have been taught different than what you hear today. But I would encourage you to open your Bible yourself. I would encourage you to read the, uh, well, the Gospels, really, but especially the book of Acts and especially the Apostle Paul's writing to to the church at uh, Corinth. Because there is nowhere in the scripture when you rightly divide the word of God where the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit baptism ever stopped with the early church. Just didn't do it. It's still real today. Can I get one amen? Amen. So when Christ spoke of the well in John chapter 4, it was an experience of salvation. But then in John chapter 7, verse 37, and I want you to read it with me. This This is so powerful. These are three of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. John chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. On the, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone, I want you to notice what he says we, we need to do. If any, count them. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who 
believes in me, as the scripture had said, out of his heart, one translation says belly, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this, and then he's very plain about what he's speaking about. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'll get to those five things in just a moment. Powerful scripture. The relationship when it comes to salvation and you and I receive the spirit of the Lord is like a well. When we experience the Holy Spirit baptism, it is like a river. Other words, when a person is born again, they receive the spirit of sonship. Paul talks about that to the, to the church at Rome, the spirit of sonship. When a person receives the Holy Spirit baptism, they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When a person is born again, the spirit of God comes on the inside. Sometimes that we get lost in the terminology of what we say. Uh, how many want to receive the Holy Spirit? Someone says, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit. True. But what happens when a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is on the inside flows out like a river, giving power and Jesus talked often about that power that we will receive, giving ability to reach out and touch other people's lives in a very special way with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit being this, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, and the gift of discerning of spirits. And then we have the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, and the gift of faith. And then the manifestational gifts Audibly, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those gifts that were given to the early church is for the church today, right now, for us. And what happens when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is power with that. Jesus said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he told the early church and he told, he told his disciples that greater works than I do shall you do also because I go to my father. And he went back to the father and he, Jesus Christ, is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. I believe, and it's sad, I hate this statement, but it's true. I believe Satan has robbed the church of its power Rob the church of its authority through false teaching and certainly through the lack of understanding. The church should have power to cast out demons. Brother Don, I don't believe in demons. Well, I don't see demons behind every rock and every tree, but I believe that there are demonic forces in the world today. And people are struggling with bondages that they need to be prayed for and delivered from. And someone will say, let's send them to a psychiatrist or let's send them to the hospital. There's nothing wrong with psychiatrists and there certainly is nothing wrong with the hospital. 
But I'm here to tell you that God can set a dope addict, drug addict free. God can set an alcoholic free. God can deliver someone from pride. If we just let him. And you could go on and on and on. Doesn't matter what we are bound with. And so many people are so bound with all kind of addictions and all kind of spirits and they need to be set free. And what it will take, it will take the power of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple. I believe that today. You say, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit important? It certainly is. Look what happened to the disciples. Now, again, as I teach this, as I go over this, I want you to understand, I encourage you to study it. See, am I rightly dividing the word of God? But we look at what happened to the disciples. Notice, it was a life-changing experience. In other words, when the disciples received the baptism on the day of Pentecost, it changed and transformed their life. You can't read the Bible, you can't read the Gospels and read the book of Acts and not know that there was a life changing uh, happening to these disciples. The disciples were transformed from powerless, prayerless, doubting and faltering uh, witnesses of Christ into bold and effective servants of the kingdom. Not only that, But the disciples were unstable, impulsive, insecure. Now they are courageously facing beatings and death threats for the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changed them. Most of the 12 apostles gave their life. They were martyrs for Christ simply because they stood up with boldness and courage. Totally different. And the church today would be different if it would be if it would practice this great outpouring of the Spirit of God. The church is weak and anemic, but God's Holy Ghost will give you power. Wow. We have scriptural examples of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice the five that we have, and these are all recorded in the book of Acts. Not what Bethel says, not what Pastor Don says, not what Pentecostals or Charismatics says. This is what God's word says. Someone says, yes, it happened on the day of Pentecost, and that's the first one. The outpouring at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongue, other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As I studied this and as I Googled this and as I looked at this, I, I could not believe, I could not believe what some that certainly did not believe. That, and I, 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 uh, I honored these men and women. But I could not believe how they turned and twisted the word of God. I've heard some of the greatest orators in the world that that just were powerful speakers. And yet trying to explain Acts 2, trying to explain 
the outpouring or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I watched them as they fumbled around and could not do it. Anytime you try to change the word of God, if you're not careful, you're going careful, you're going to get in trouble. But this was a great happening. Acts chapter 2. And then Peter and John in Samaria. I want to read you some scripture as we find it in, 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 in Acts chapter 8. Look at verses 4 and 8. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in the city. Philip was not an apostle. He was a deacon. And when there was persecution in Jerusalem, it it, it sensed the disciples scattering They scattered and they went preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Samaria, which the Jews did not like, there was this great tension between uh, the Samaritans and, and, and the Jews. Philip goes down and he preaches and there's a great revival that happens down in a city in Samaria. But notice the next writings that we have also in the 8th chapter, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not, or he had fallen upon none of them. Notice this, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They then laid hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when you study this text, there is no question in my mind, there there are in some people's mind because I, I read several, but there is no question in my mind when Philip goes down and he preaches that these people in Samaria are born again. They know Jesus Christ. They were baptized in water. And when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that this great revival had taken place, they go down, Peter and John are sent, And they lay their hands on these same people and they receive the Holy Spirit or the fullness or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's just that simple to me. And then there's Ananias and Paul, chapter 9, verse 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that he may, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. This great man of God, which had a conversion experience on the way to Damascus. He was saved. 
When he said, what will thou havest me do, Lord? He surrendered his life to the Lord. And then there was this man by the name of Ananias that he had a vision or a dream or God revealed to him that he was to go down, lay his hands on this man, Paul. And he said, Lord, I've heard many things about this man. He's persecuting the church. He's even having people locked up, even having them killed. God said, you go down for I've called him to do a work for me. He goes down and he, this is what happens to him. Now, someone might say, well, Brother Don, they didn't speak in tongues when when the apostles, Peter and John, prayed for them in Samaria. Well, if you study the scriptures, Simon was a man that wanted to bite from him. He saw something happen to, you, to, to those people that received. It doesn't say that they spoke in tongues, but I believe what he saw was the manifestation of the Spirit of God and he wanted to buy it. And Peter said, your money perish with you. And you say it doesn't say Paul spoke in tongues when Ananias laid his hands on him and he received the Holy Spirit. How do you know he spoke in tongues? Because if you look over in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Deny that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, it's just, we don't believe in that kind of stuff. Just an old saying. Don't lose yourself in it. Listen, there's just no way that you can deny this great manifestation. The outpouring at Pentecost, Peter and John down in Samaria, Samaria, Ananias going and praying for the apostle Paul, and then Peter and the Gentiles. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is where it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they what? Heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. This is Cornelius' house. These are Gentiles. Warnwriter said the reason they spoke in tongues is because it was ever, everywhere new. It was, you know... You got all kind of reasons why some people said that this is the reason they spoke in tongues, but it stopped with the early church. Not so. But here, here Peter was preaching. The Holy Ghost fell on them and the circumcision, the people, the Jews that came with Peter were amazed that the uncircumcised were amazed at the Gentiles, how they received the baptism and they spoke in tongues and they said, wow. And, of course, you you have uh, the great uh, controversy of whether the Gentiles should receive without being circumcised. And and it was all cleared up with James, the brother of Jesus, and the disciples in Jerusalem. Interesting. Very, very interesting happenings. So you had the outpouring at Pentecost. You had Peter and John in Samaria. Ananias praying for the apostle Paul. Peter preaching to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit falling. And then Paul at Ephesus, 19. Look at verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the urban regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, 
He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is any Holy Spirit. And he said to them, unto what baptism were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they uh, should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they did what? They spoke in tongues. It's important that we listen to what thus saith the Lord. And God's texting us. Did you see God texting us this morning here? That's his text to us. You can get it up here or either on your your iPhone. But God is letting us know this is real today. God's Holy Spirit being poured out. Notice this. At the outpouring of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. At the uh, Ananias, when he prayed for Paul, he spoke in tongues. Peter and at uh, the Gentiles' house, they spoke in tongues. Paul at Ephesus, They spoke in tongues. But notice there were three times in these five incidents where they laid hands upon them. They laid hands upon them, Peter and John in Samaria. They laid hands upon Paul. Ananias laid hands upon Paul. And then we find that Paul laid his hands upon those 12 there at Ephesus. Now, do we have to lay hands on people to receive the baptism? No. But it's a good thing to do. That personal contact and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's important. I have here the occasion with Peter and John in Samaria. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip over because I want to get to, uh, to this last one. I hope you take this home and read it and study it for yourself. Did you know that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you know that Acts Chapter 10, verse 38 says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. If Jesus Christ needed this experience, don't you think that the church today needs this experience? You said, when was that? How many of you remember when John baptized him? What came upon him upon Jesus in the form of a dove? The Holy Spirit. What did he say in the fourth chapter of the book of St. Luke when he came out of the wilderness of temptation? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That's Jesus. We're no better than he is. But I'll tell you what, the same spirit that moved on him will move on us. The Bible says that the earth was without form and void and the spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth. That word hover means move over the face of the earth. And you know what happened? This earth was, God had already created and Satan had messed it up with with the fall and it was without form and void. I looked up that word void. That word void means formless, chaotic mess. How many of you know there's people that they are in a chaotic mess? It means a waste, a worthless thing, emptiness and dissolution. Dissolution. For no purpose, for nothing, disorder. I'm talking about this is what the world, the earth was before the Holy Spirit moved over it. 
disorder, confusion, and lack of arrangement. This is, this is identical to the way people's lives are today. And we need the moving and the, and the manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord. Let me hurriedly go through this. Look at number four, conditions on receiving the Word of God. And I just read them, read John chapter 7 to you. First of all, there must, if any man thirst, are you thirsty? Yeah, I want a drink of water. You ever get you ever get real thirsty? This word thirst there means it, it means an uh, uh, an ardent, eager, famishing, keen, and consuming craving. How long has it been since we've really craved and thirst and had this real deep desire? I want God. I want Him to fill me. So first of all, to be filled, we must cultivate a conscious hunger for and thirst for God. I pray this morning that God will help us. Not only must we thirst, but we must come to Christ. We've got to abandon ourselves. We never will receive this baptism until we get willing to abandon ourselves to God's will. I said something about the West a while ago. It's happening over in other countries, but not the West. You know why it's not happening in America? Because we got too much pride. God help me. I battle pride. Sometimes I'm concerned about what people will think about me. How will I look? I'm not talking about doing something foolish. I'm not talking about embarrassing the church or God, either one. I'm talking about a real, genuine baptism filling of the Holy Ghost. So we must thirst and then we must abandon ourselves to, to God. We must come to Him a total and complete surrender. We had people falling out in the spirit, falling out in the spirit. I know there are some courtesy falls and that's okay. But let me tell you, there is a real genuine move of the spirit of God to where we totally surrender to the Lord and we just like a, just like a, a dish rag, so limp, we just go down. I've done that. You say, Brother Don, that stuff is crazy, is it? Go to a Duke and Carolina football, a basketball game, you'll see how crazy people are. If we can get excited over sports, if we can get excited over the things of the world, a new car or going to Disneyland, if we can get excited over a new baby, if we can get excited over a new house, then we can get excited over an experience with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing in the world. There's nothing like it. Oh, we must thirst. We must come to Christ with total and complete surrender of the whole will to God. Listen, there's not one person here today that if we'll come to the Lord in our prayer, in our faith to God, and we'll surrender to him and say, Lord, you have our will, he'll baptize you. But if we come with, 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 with reluctance, with doubt, unbelief, fear, pride, he's not gonna baptize us. But we don't have to come to him that way. We can come with a thirst. We can come to Jesus Christ. And we can drink. That is a whole, I love this, 
hearted reception in one's life of the operation of the Spirit of God. Oh, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Baptize me, Lord. I come to you today. I'm so hungry. I get rid of all the fast food, spiritual food in my life. I'm going to stop stopping at Hardy's and McDonald's and I'm going to get rid. See, we, 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 we're, we're eating the junk of the world. We're so filled on amusement and I'm so filled on the things and materialistic things and we don't hunger anymore. Let's get rid of those things and say, God, I want you more than anything else. Ah, we thirst, we come to Jesus Christ and then we drink and then we believe. We obey God's word. Sister Judy, if you'll come. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. If we'll believe, listen to this, believe God's word. Let me encourage you. Listen to this, please. Are you going to believe what uncle so-and-so said? What someone else said? Are you going to believe what the devil tries to whisper in your ear and say it's not for you? Are we going to believe what the devil might whisper and say that's foolishness? Jesus said he'd take the foolish things to confound the wise. It was foolish for Jesus to spit on a, and make mud and put on a man's eyes. But I guess, I'll tell you what, he saw. You say, Pastor, I I don't know if I believe in all that emotionalism. Somehow I've got a feeling on the day of Pentecost, it was loud. It was a rushing, mighty wind, and there was fire. Somehow I got a feeling that Paul and Silas wasn't worried about all the emotionalism and all the noise that went on when that jailhouse rocked but they were delivered and set free. Somehow I've got a feeling the early church when they prayed in that house and the power of God was so strong, it shook the foundation and the building wherein they prayed. I don't think they were worried about the noise and the moving and the emotion that was going on. Listen. Believe. Please look at your notes. Ask in faith. Rid yourself of pride, apprehension, unbelief. Now, you're not going to receive the baptism till you're saved. You must be born again. I would encourage you this morning when we start our prayer, confess every known sin in your life. Confess it before God. Number one, we must ask in faith. Number two, we must receive by faith. Base your experience on God's word, not on what the devil says or what someone else has said. And number three, we must speak by faith. Speaking, listen to this, 
in tongues is not involuntary. The Bible says, and you can read it wherever they did, it says that they spake, they spake as the Spirit of God gave utterance. Now, I've got something written down here to help us. Look at it, read it with me. Now having asked and received, begin to practice the power of the Spirit. An ideal place to begin is where the first apostles did, praising God in a new language. To do this, begin praising God out loud and whatever words come to you, tell Him how much you love Him, thank Him, worship Him, and yield your voice to the Lord and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit.